I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome in and good evening. As always, it is great to be with you. Husker Online, Monday Rundown. There's the man, Sean Callahan. I see him. I'm Jeff, and it is good to have all of you along. As always, thanks for joining the program. Well, all too often, it is after a loss that we reconvene, good sir. And now the question becomes, who in the heck is going to play quarterback for you guys? If you can't get your starter back to, are we down to a walk-on, Sean? What's going on here? Well, yeah, Chubba Purdy, high ankle sprain in that game, and um, don't know if he had surgery on it or kind of what the plan is, but you have to kind of cancel him out um, at this point. Um, Casey Thompson, the pinky injury, uh, still an unknown at this point. You know, what does he want to play? What, what's the outlook? Why would he play if he's not 100%? Yeah. Um, what are his plans now with the coaching change coming here, et cetera? So, you're looking at Logan Smothers more than likely. Likely, um, then the guy that came in after Logan was Jarrett Sinak, um, who was a walk-on from Hastings, Nebraska, uh, home of Tom Osborne, by the way. Um, that came in that game just for a couple plays late, you know. And that's kind of a inside baseball type nugget, just because you're like, whoa, he came in and traveled over Heinrich Harburg, a former scholarship player. Right. from nearby Kearney, Nebraska. And then another scholarship guy, Richard Torres, they have not dressed all year, but he's a talented gunslinger from San Antonio. Uh, but they have said he's not an option. He's not ready. Um, you know, the four-game redshirt thing, he'd be eligible to play, but they just don't have him ready to roll. So you're right, Jeff. The next two weeks, um, it appears Logan Smothers and less Casey Thompson. And we'll know tomorrow on Tuesday when we talk to Mickey Joseph, we'll get a really good idea kind of where this is going for the week with the quarterback position. Yeah, because again, from what I understand, and for those that obviously are reading on Husker online, uh, even Logan's a little banged up. And so you kind of hold your breath a little bit there wondering, are they going to have to start a, um, at some point is a walk on going to have to play um, meaningful reps in a game that, you know, I don't know where your head's at Sean right now after that game against Michigan. I think everybody kind of knew how that game would play out. Um, Obviously, Nebraska was not going to move the ball against this Michigan team. Wisconsin's got a very good defense. They don't have a very good offense, so you feel like this game is is winnable at home. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on that as they as they get set for this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a tightrope right now, and I know we're getting a lot of comments. Like, I think people are more interested in the coaching search right now. Than I'm going to the get there. And <laughs> so we're kind of at this, like, tough two-game period where you've got two games against maybe your biggest Big Ten rivals, Iowa and Wisconsin, with Wisconsin first. Um, but it's the third straight week. Nebraska will be a double-digit underdog. And it's hard to trace these things, but I don't know if that's ever happened um, in Nebraska's history. 
and they might be four out of five. It's four out of five weeks overall because they were double digits at Purdue as well um, a couple of weeks back. So it, we're kind of in rare air here uh, with the point spread approaching two touchdowns. Uh, but there's just a lot, I mean, with this matchup that's unknown with the quarterbacks. Um, you know, even at Wisconsin, they've obviously had the tragedy. Uh, I know it wasn't a player in their program, but a former player that their players have dealt with this week that's now at the University of Virginia um, that shook the entire college football world. Uh, there's drama around Braylon Allen, um, the running back from Wisconsin. Uh, Jim Leonard has accused programs of tampering with him to try to get him to transfer from Wisconsin. And the the rumor on the message board world is it was Michigan that um, has pushed some buttons to try to get Braylon Allen uh, to Ann Arbor. Uh, Jim Harbaugh knows running backs. We've learned that. I mean, look at look at Blake Corum. Um, look at they had the guy last year. He's in the NFL. Their their backup is leading the uh, Pac-12 right now at UCLA. Uh, Chardonnay. So yeah, uh, they they know what they're Harbaugh and those guys know running backs. And and Nebraska will see Braylon Allen this week. Um, but there's a little drama around him right now, just with um, you know people tampering with him trying to get him out of Madison. All right, so on to the coaching rumors. It really did begin to heat up this week, Sean. I know, it, we're, listen, the bottom line is we're at the end of the season. This was it, eventually Nebraska's got to hire a football coach. And at this point, it doesn't seem like it's going to be Mickey Joseph. Um, and so, you know, when Matt Rule's name got bantied about this week, I guess take us through the timeline. I know that you wrote that – it was it was a busier week for rumors than we had seen in the previous couple. Yeah, I mean, I think the last couple of weeks we've dealt with a few things. I mean, one, you know, there were there were just some reports that were not confirmed. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked that you know about meetings and regent dealings. Well, the regents aren't involved in the actual coaching search. They're they're kind of the final body that just signs the contract when it gets brought to a public meeting. They don't actually work as like a governing body. In the coaching search, Trev Alberts is running this search. Um, he's doing a fine job of keeping it locked up behind the scenes. Um, there just aren't a lot of clues, but um, kind of the, the 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 world now is circled to Matt Rule. Uh, when when you look at the former Baylor head coach, Carolina Panther, Temple head coach, he has become the hot commodity. A lot of people have just you know brought him into the mix. Um, I mean, there. It got to the point yesterday that there were rumors of Matt Rule being in Lincoln with his wife. Um, <laughs> somebody found a picture of a guy that looked like Matt Rule that might have been walking into a Lincoln grocery store named Super Saver. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it, it. It got it got second level. There there were planes that were maybe going from Charlotte to Omaha, owned by uh, a, a supporter of the program, but you know you really put on the tinfoil hat right now because Trev Alberts has done a great job uh, of just keeping this thing locked up where nobody truly knows. Um, but they're, you know, last night, I mean, the smoke got so strong that people, I mean, the, the underground internet world was saying we might have an announcement coming as early as Monday uh, or yeah. Tuesday. Uh, but here we are Monday night, seven Oh eight central time, nothing. And, you know, from everyone we've talked to at the university, no announcement is expected or press conferences this week. So, and that's my question. It's always been my question. How do you jam in something this significant, an announcement of a new head coach that you're going to pay tens of millions of dollars per um, over a contract to in the middle of game weeks with, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin, I get it. Oh, the season's at a loss. Sure. But you still got to respect the players and the process of a 12 game season 
Um, so that's why I've always believed it would come immediately after Iowa. Um, but you know, you're not going to have much time. You better have this thing locked up, ready to roll to drop, you know, within 24 to 48 hours after the Iowa game. Sean, we'll bring in Sip here in a second. I want to ask you both this question because I am always curious and I've, I'm somebody who's covered college football like you have for a very long time. And I've covered coaching firings and hirings and, when you get down to the nitty gritty, one of the things that happens is that people begin to project what they want as opposed to it actually being a credible substantive report, right? You just get a bunch of people saying, well, this guy's available and we need a guy. <laughs> so maybe he's going to be our guy. I I'm curious to either, yeah, Sean and Sip is here now. We'll be in. Um, was there anything to this? What started this report other than people's desire to see Nebraska name a new head coach? Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. By the way, welcome, Sip. You got the electricity bill paid this month, I see. Yeah, yeah. I moved to an auxiliary kitchen is what I did. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad yeah, that I'm paying you to get the lights turned on this week. But, um, you know, the rumors of this, yeah, I think a lot of it is hope. It's optimism. And Rule has become the guy that at least the Husker fans, the vocal internet crowd that tends to kind of control the mob of the narrative online, that's where the focus is gone. Um, and you got a couple of local talk radio hosts in Omaha and other places that really kind of drive it and mess around with it. And it just creates more of kind of a, and, and Sip can chime in on this, just the market that we're in and, and kind of how things can get downhill pretty quickly. Yeah. Now it's also possible that Matt Rule has accepted the job. That's the thing you always got to keep in the back of your mind, Sean. Hi, no doubt. No doubt. Um, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Good to see you, Sip. Good. It's yeah. And, and uh, Jeff has been through these things. That's and it's good to hear that voice. Um, a lot of silliness can occur. I'm not sure that that's what's occurred with Matt Rule, except. I mean, I, I mean, Sean follows the rumors a little bit more than I do, but I, you know, there are people saying last night, texting me anyway, that there was going to be an announcement today. Of course, it didn't occur, so that, so, so that part of it's not right. There was, you know, there's a lot of people saying Matt Rule was at North Stadium. Um, I'd be shocked if Trev would parade that coach in front of the other guys. I mean, they're working on Sundays. Uh, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know what to think of all that. Again, I think you have to leave open a possibility that rule. I mean, for sure, I would think rule would be in your final list. Uh, my, my, is my guess, but here's what happens, Jeff and Sean, and you and Jeff, you know this, and Sean knows this from going through these things. What I find is a lot of assumptions are made, and I just did that. I mean, I I got to catch myself sometimes. I don't know. I mean, I don't know for sure that Matt Rule is a is a legit candidate for this job. So I try not to make too many assumptions. Well, and we haven't really heard Matt rule talk after he's been fired. You know, what, what does he want to do? We don't even really know. Like I want to jump back into it or do I want to sit back with my three kids and wife and, 
and survey things for a year. I mean, he's getting $40 million, guys, to not work. No. Um, so what what is his ultimate next move in his mind? What kind of job does he want? We, we assume he wants back in college football because of the success he's had. Um, but, you know, it's, there, there's very few people that have a line into Matt Rule right now. Yeah, there's one thing I'd add that I think is germane. Um, I was just reading about him today, and when he took the Baylor job, one of the things he said was he liked the idea of being in a recruiting market where he doesn't have to travel, that, that the talent's right around, it's all around him. And he said specifically, I don't have to go to get on a plane and go wherever. Uh, so he's been at two stops where he, you know, he's in Temple, which, you know, in Philly, probably didn't have to go too far to find players at Temple. I don't know. I haven't looked at their roster, but I mean, there's a lot of talent. There's 13 million people in Pennsylvania. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, again, I don't want to assume anything either way, but I've never heard anybody say explicitly that matters that the job is his. I've never heard that. Yeah, and and you guys have said from the beginning, we've talked about this all season long on this show, that you thought it would be incredibly hush-hush, that Trev Alberts would do a good job of keeping this quiet uh, and very professional. And coaches aren't going to talk about this. They're, you know, this is all going to be behind the scenes. So I, I agree, Sip. I think it would be almost absurd to think that Matt Rule was – at Nebraska or was at a game, you know, I, I just, I, I can't fathom that, that that would have just happened uh, if you're trying to keep it quiet, but you also said it's entirely possible. And this is what fuels this, right? I mean, he may be the guy, he may have already said yes to the job. We, we don't know. It is what's nerve wracking, but also really exciting for fans because when you're in the midst of a terrible season, Nebraska fans are hurting. They're angry. It's it's this should not happen for prolonged periods of time at Nebraska. Right. They want an answer. They want to know like how who's that guy coming through that door to get this thing back to the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. they are they are hurting and angry, Sean. I mean, wouldn't you agree? A lot of them, a lot of people are. Well, people just want control. They want to know what's going on. And I think in 2017, we kind of knew the whole way where it was heading. I mean, there really wasn't much of a plan B. It was Scott Frost. And in 2007, I know Jim okay. Grove was in play, but it felt mm-hmm. like Bo Pelini was the guy. All or the Turner Gill. I mean, it was a pretty defined list. And when when they ended up hiring Pelini, it was Grobe, um, it was Pelini, it was Gill, and there might have been one other. What's that, Sean? Paul Johnson. Yeah, Paul. Good job, Sean. Yeah, Paul Johnson was definitely. I mean, I'm thinking back to the newspaper and the photos we had but but you know what there was an we had i mean i had an early line that bo had a great chance to get it now there's been talk that jim grove was offered first that tom osborne has denied that um, well he denied that oh yeah he did deny that there was an offer to Grobe, but also grove has said that there was stipulation that he had to keep three or four assistants and grove said that was a deal breaker which again tom osborne has denied but though yeah it was a but to the point it was a very defined, and for some reason, we had more information back then, um, partly because it was pretty obvious, like Frost, Sean. I mean, like like the Frost situation. It was now going back to after Frank got fired, that was wild, and we didn't really know what was going on, except back then, you, you could track it a little bit. It was a little easier to track, it seemed like. Um, now, these eight, like, 
I mean, now it seems like ADs have gotten pretty savvy. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That make any yeah. sense, Jeff? Yeah, it does. It, it, it makes sense. Well, then at the end of the day, we, we don't have much time left in the season. So there's going to be an answer. It doesn't have to be Matt Rule tomorrow. It, it, you got two games and we'll know. And, uh, and, and, and I, I just, you try to take the temperature on these things. I think it is fascinating. I know that everybody's got an opinion about every coach in the country. And so uh, I imagine the debate is running hot and heavy at Husker Online with every time a name comes up and there seems to be any legitimacy to it, that debate probably rages on into the night. Yeah, and it's just the unknown of it because it could be someone that we're not even talking about. How about mm -hmm. this scenario? You know who was on the sidelines in Ann Arbor was Zach Taylor. Mm -hmm. What if Zach Taylor and Trev Alberts were two ships passing in the night and said, hey, Zach said, you know what, hold that job for me, I'd come. You know, just things like that you don't even think of. Uh, DeBoer at Washington's an, a wild card name that you know has had an interest and affinity for the Nebraska job. Um, he's talked about it over his time and his, his coaching career, but you just don't think he would be likely because he's only been at Washington for one year. But there was a time where he would have jumped in for that job. We know that Dave Dorn at North Carolina State is someone that would probably be interested. Chris Kleiman, Kansas State, yeah. um, you know, would he be interested in this job? I mean, there, it, that that th this is one of the most wide open coaching searches. At least it feels that way to me that we've been a part of in a long time. Well, let's be honest, John. Again, it's wide open because we don't know. I mean, that's the reason it's <laughs> that's the reason it's wide open. I mean, it's because you can let your you can literally let your imagination run wild. Now. It is informative every so often to go back and look at some of the parameters or not the parameters, but the characteristics that Trev laid out and that that it does eliminate um, definitely eliminate some people. But, um, you know, I mean, rule does fit some of it. I mean, Trev wants I mean, he a physical football team and phys a physical style is what he is what Trev wants. That that does eliminate some guys. I mean, I think that could eliminate DeBoer. They throw it all. The, I mean, they just throw it. I mean, Washington throws the hell out of it. Um, the guy that came up early that doesn't come up as much now that I I still regard as sort of a outside candidate or kind of a long shot candidate is Jamie Chadwell. Uh, Joe Moglia stunk for him. Joe Moglia the billionaire um, who, who, you know, used to coach at Coastal Carolina, stump for, stump for Chadwell. I mean, it, may, it you know, that was early and people have kind of forgotten, but I don't think you can rule out a guy like Jamie Chadwell. Do you guys think, by the way, sorry, Sean, I wanted to ask you both. Do you guys think at the end of the day, I'm asking you to kind of speculate or give your opinion here, that when we find out who it is, that it will be <clears throat> revealed later that, it had been done for a long time or that this involved a lot of interviews. It, Go ahead, Sean. It kind of just depends on how open Trev Alberts and you know, maybe his right-hand man, Doug Ewald want to be about it. Um, we've seen this Jeff over the years um, after the fact where the administration, you know, the world Herald has, and Henry Cordes have done really extensive stories about coaches like the Scott Frost thing. Uh, when he was brought in and all the steps and all the private meetings and all the things that have happened, are they going to want to do that? I mean, that, you know, we've seen them do that with, um, you know, some, maybe the, the main newspaper outlet just to kind of chron chronicle the story. I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on that sip? 
Um, my thoughts and what is exactly what the question? Well, I, I asked if afterwards you think once we find out who the oh, coach yeah. is that it'll be revealed that it was it was understood early on and Trump's ah. just been sitting on it, or there have been lots of interviews with a lot of different candidates. Well, that's I mean, that's a really good question, and my initial thought is. Trev said he planned to do an exhaustive search now. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he'd get it settled early or, or say he got it settled early. Again, it's possible that he found his person right off the bat, but I I don't know. Sean has talked to it. Sean, Sean has had some encounters with people that would suggest that it, he did talk to a lot of people in that it was sort of more of a prolonged type process um so that's what i that's what i would think and i think there's also the possibility that he would want to do some interviews after the season i that's you always have to leave open that possibility um scott frost did interview during the season when when he you know when he eventually took the job but it was an in in season interview with bill moose we mentioned that a few times so that can happen, but also coaches can say, I don't want to interview until my season's done, sure. which would prolong. <laughs> I can't even imagine what people would do if a week passes after Black Friday. I mean, I just, oh my the, gosh. the rumor. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> uh, I don't know if a fan base could withstand well, it. What, okay. Like, this is just way out there scenarios. What if Zach Taylor in Ann Arbor said, Trev, why haven't you called me? I'm interested. I'd take the job, but you got to wait till the Bengals are done. Not come like. What do you do if you're actually interested in a guy like, say, a Zach Taylor, um, who has told me before, before he got hired as a head coach in the NFL, that he would have loved to have coached at Nebraska, and that was a place he wanted to raise his family and live. Yeah, well, it's amazing, you know, I, Sean. You know, I do that radio show, Jeff. I do a radio show every day, and it's amazing the pushback of negativity you get on Zach. Like, I don't think that would be a popular hire as strange as that sounds. Um, but I don't know who would be, I ought to be fair. I don't know who is that. I don't know who's going to be, who is going to draw widespread approval. I I'd mean, said Matt rule and Luke fickle would be the two that would probably win the internet. And to an extent, urban Meyer, I know urban Meyer would come with a lot of criticism, but I think he would win the mob. I don't. Okay. Now I don't know about, well, first of all, Meyer would be controversial. Um, I don't know about rule on our show today. We asked listeners and man, it was amazing how many people the text poured in against it. I mean, it was nine to one. I, I don't know who it is. I, I mean, if it may, maybe it's Lane Kiffin or Brett Bielema, that's not happening. Those aren't happening. I don't think, um, I just don't know. Trev. I just don't, I guess there's a large part of me that says Trev Alberts can't worry about the popularity part. He can't worry about that. He's got to get the right guy, and it's it's got to he's got to feel it in his gut, and not worry about how you know Sean Callahan and Sipple and the World Herald and everybody and the and the and the fan base, you know, the message boards and Twitter are going to react. He's just got to get the right guy. Well, the guy the, the guy that won the internet was the guy you hired and then just had to fire. Exactly, Jeff. (laughs) That was probably close to universally beloved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 98%. 98%. The Pelini hire won the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, he he went back to coach the national championship game for LSU and had the uh, Outland winner that year. 
um, playing for him at LSU and was in Omaha. I mean, at that time, I mean, the Pelini hire was universally praised. I mean, there was no critics of that hire and the way he came in and transformed that team in defense his first three years. I mean, people really thought, I mean, you could argue the Pelini hire in the, 20, the 2009 season played a direct impact on getting Nebraska the in, invite to the Big Ten Conference because that was the final year of Indomitian Sioux and Nebraska really looked like they were surging into becoming a top 10 power again mm-hmm. uh, with that hire. And then, and then obviously the politics of things at Nebraska with the chancellor and the leadership uh, really fell apart. And that's where Pelini fell apart. That was part of it. And also Nebraska wasn't equipped for the big 10. They hadn't both Bo their defense wasn't equipped for it. Um, they were well equipped for the big 12. But they didn't, Sean, you remember the roster. They didn't have big linebackers, right? And they didn't have many linebackers. They were using that peso, you know. Uh, they were running fast guys. Basically a nickel. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah, exactly. And the Big 12 was much more sp- spread out, I would say, now then than it is now. Um, oh, I knew, I know, I knew the, I know intimately what, what Bo was. I mean, he was, I wouldn't say scared, but he was sort of like, what are we going to do? I mean, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not nearly equipped for this. So, yeah, but you're right, Sean, ultimately his success helped draw that invite. Well, think about you, that press conference when Nebraska accepted the invite to the big 10, it was like a huge party. Everybody was excited. One guy wasn't though. Remember, t- tell, tell them about Bo and just. Oh, that day. I was really worried about it, Jeff, that, that day of the big announcement. Um, so Sean, would that have been the summer of 2011 or 2010? No, it was the summer of 2010. Yeah. Summer of 2010. And th- th- there was a, that was a big announcement day. And there was going to be a press conference with all the officials and Bo Delaney was in town. You know, everybody was going to be there. And I tried to get some quotes from Bo before that, you know, just our own, you know, mm-hmm. And man, he would not talk and he was in a horrible mood. I mean, vulgar. I mean, like, and I was really worried about the press conference. And I always remember it. He was pretty, if you go back and watch him, he was pretty sullen. And I was, I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. And then somebody kind of cracked a joke and it, he, he smiled and it kind and it kind of lightened him up. And I and I and I, I think the football gods might have had a hand in that. I, it, it, you know, then it came, then it came together fine. But no, I mean, behind the scenes, I'll never forget it. As long as I live, it was an interesting part of my career because of the euphor, euphoria and the, the major anticipation of the fan base going into the Big Ten. You have that juxtaposed against the head coach, who, who was one hundred percent opposed to it, but he couldn't say it. You know. So that that was it was very odd, very odd. It's weird how things work out because obviously it hasn't been a great run in the Big Ten for Nebraska, but you either want to be right now in that conference or the SEC because everybody else is chasing the dollars that all those schools are getting on an annual basis and will get moving forward that will allow you now, obviously, at Nebraska to go out and pay whatever is necessary for any coach that's interested. Uh, money's no object right now in Nebraska no but I think you've got to be wise with the money I mean we've seen Nebraska write a lot of bad checks and that's one thing Nebraska fans are getting tired of is just paying out dead money 
um, you know, Nebraska. And coincidentally, we, we we were supposed to be joined by Justin Hokinson from Auburn Live. I'm not sure if he's going to make it, but those are the two programs, I believe. Um, Tennessee might be up there, too, that have yeah. written most dead money checks. Florida State's probably up there as well um, <laughs> over, over the last 15 years. Yeah, it's always a sore subject when you're paying somebody $15, $20 million not to be there after they've already – infuriated the fan base with on-field sucking for the last four years. Yeah, you can't – it's never it's never fun to have to revisit that and then ask donors and boosters for even more money to go get the guy that you promised this time will be right. Yeah, we've seen a lot of it. Um, yeah, you, I, don't, I don't know. Trev's in, a, Trev's in a difficult spot. That's But that's a, something that can't be on his mind right now. You can't worry about that. You just, you just got to see – kind of roll the dice and see how this goes. It does feel like a roll of the dice sometimes with these hires. I mean, it really does to me. You you think you think some schools have the right guy that it just hasn't worked out, you know? And so yeah, it's I love sports because it's there's no guarantees, but I think Nebraska fans would prefer a guarantee right now. And that's the hard part because there is none. And you just hit on that sip. And that's the thing, too. We've all watched coaches succeed one place and fail miserably at another. And then, you know, it's crazy. It's like, did they forget how they achieved that? No, every situation is different. And if things don't work out early in somebody's tenure, oftentimes it's hard to get that back. You know, usually that new car smell has to translate into some wins early to keep the momentum going. If you don't get it, it begins to fall off the wagon and, and it is hard to know because we've also seen failed coaches be given another opportunity and somehow excel beyond our wildest dreams. It's worked uh, in the inverse as well. That's right. We'll All right, see. guys, I got to blow. I got to go. We got a visitor here. So the, um, I appreciate you having me on. Okay. Be hey, good, Sip. good to see you, buddy. All right. Take care guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well... I, Sean, you were talking about uh, the guests we were going to have uh, from Auburn, uh, but you know what that does do? It gives us a chance to bring Rosie in early if you want to, buddy. There he is. There's that smile. He <laughs> How you doing tonight, fellas? We're doing great. We're doing great. Uh, well, you're better than me because I'm still struggling with the Oz Fetterman race. We we need Trey to create an open for Jim Rose. Like he needs like his own walk up walkout yeah. music. <laughs> like a wrestler work for next week. Yeah, there like you go. Wrestler, yeah, I need a, um, I need a walk up song. I need some sort of a stinger, a walk up stinger, like baseball players have. You got to be <laughs> happy, Rosie. You got to be happy. This is almost over, man. Um, <laughs> well, at, <laughs> what do you mean happy? It's almost over. Well, I'm what I mean the season. The season oh. is almost over, and yeah. And this, it's a lost cause, and now the big story yeah. is only going to be who is the next coach. There's not yeah. much Nebraska can do to change the storyline right now. No, that's exactly right, uh, Jeff. It's it's sad. Uh, I watched the Michigan game like everybody and just came away shaking my head and thinking, how is it possible 
that this program, which was truly in a very elite company of institutional sports mammoths in our country, the New York Yankees, the North Carolina Tar Heels, the Boston Celtics, Jack Nicklaus of golf. How is it possible that Nebraska football, which was the epitome of consistency, the epitome of, of excellence, could now join a, a class of one, the only program in a Power Five conference in the last five years that hasn't made a bowl game? And it's a low bar. We got 43 of them. So uh, it's really a shame, and I feel terrible about it. And uh, I, I really thought about it all weekend long, and I go, what, what's next? Well, what's next is we have to literally start over. We can't, we can't use anything that made Nebraska football what it was a part of what Nebraska football needs to be. Now, I am intrigued by the Zach Taylor information, and I actually, Sean, this is probably dangerous, but I was thinking exactly what you were thinking, and that is interesting that he was on the sidelines for that game at this juncture of the season. Uh, and nobody in this world uh, earned my admiration more quickly and more thoroughly than Zach Taylor. He and Eric Crouch are the two toughest quarterbacks we have ever had here. And the guy is just a really neat person. He and his wife, Sarah, are outstanding people. Uh, and if he were to come here, I would applaud this. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think he's available. He got to the Super Bowl last year. I think the Bengals are a little bit more patient than that. But if he wasn't a head coach in the NFL, you'd have to make Zach Taylor an absolute leading candidate for this. But I don't think it's possible. I think he was there because he's a Husker. Sarah you know, was in the sports information office. Uh, she comes from a football family. Her dad was Mike Sherman. And so it was great that they were there. But you know, to take a sitting head coach out of the NFL and put him in a college situation like Nebraska, I think the timing is off. Uh, but it was great to see him there. Now, Ro Rosie, uh, you've got the board this week. Am I right? Right. We have Rosie's Coaching Derby. Uh, is the trend your friend? Uh, and as we've talked about, Gary Patterson, I mean, this guy, uh, it's his team. This TCU team is his freaking team. And I know some people are getting caught up in the last three years when he was 18 and 18. But in 2017, he was 11 and 3. And in 22 years as the head coach, they had 11 10-win seasons. And if you look at the construct of what Nebraska football may want for this hire, Patterson checks a lot of boxes. Midwest guy, defensive guy, physical guy, toughness guy, uh, proven leadership capacity, proven program builder. Uh, and what he did at TCU is marvelous. It's just incredible. He's basically done at TCU or did at TCU what Lance Leipold is doing at Kansas right now. So Gary Patterson at age 62, you could forecast for him something like, okay, Gary, give me your five and 10-year strategy here. And maybe Trev and Doug Ewald and President Carter will like it. And they'll think that's exactly the strategic plan we want here, where he's a head coach for five years and there's a coach in waiting that he develops if everything turns out. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Now, I know nobody's talking about Kyle Whittingham, and maybe for a reason, because he has no interest in coming to Nebraska. But his record at Utah is pretty impressive. They're number 13 in the country this year, which is excellent. But in 18 seasons there, he's won 141 games, and they haven't been in the Pac-12 all 18 seasons. But this is the stat that intrigues me most about Kyle Whittingham. When you talk about the importance of being able to develop players, he's in his career, which spans not only as a head coach, but an assistant coach, 
He, in 29 years, has only had 57 guys drafted. 57 guys. That's it. Now, for a record of achievement that he's had, that says to me this guy turns this into a player. And I really believe that's the kind of guy we got to have. So I love him. Now, Bill O'Brien has taken a lot of crap from Alabama fans, but look at what his offense did against Ole Miss. He has the undying devotion of Bryce Young, and Bryce Young was at his best at crunch time in that game. They went four for four in the red zone. He didn't throw for a ton of yards, but he made all the big passes and the big plays. And in particular, and Lane Kiffin talked about this and Nick Saban talked about this, at the end of that first half, that score that Bill O'Brien's offense engineered was huge in that win at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. It's a great atmosphere. Ole Miss had all the momentum, but that offense really clicked, and you got to give Bill O'Brien credit for that. I think that Kleiman is a really good coach, but I think he's awfully close to his athletic director. I think they have an arrangement. It's very similar to the deal that Bill Snyder had with John Weefald, who was the president of K-State all those years. I think they understand each other. The uh, conditions are good for long-term success there because Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big 12 Conference. But he's, he's done great. And look at what he did to Baylor. They just disassembled Baylor. Baylor collapsed after the first drive threw an interception, collapsed after the first drive, never got it back, and K-State just kept the pressure on, and they did it with a backup quarterback. And you got to give him credit for that. We've talked about Rule. This is what I love about Matt Rule. Uh, I think his record speaks for itself. But he has espoused in speeches, and his teams reflect this. The man just preaches and demands physical and mental toughness, something that the Nebraska football program has lacked for years. This program has not been there at crunch time in big ball games for a long time. And that's because it lacks physical and mental toughness. This is what he lives on. He lived on that as a player. Joe Paterno talked about that. He preached that when Rule played at Penn State. And I can't imagine that Trev and Duggan and President Carter don't love that. And he's available. So I'm really impressed by what I've seen out of Matt Rule. I haven't watched him a lot as a coach. And he's obviously available, but just look at his DNA strain. And it really matches what Nebraska needs. And he's a head coach. And he's built two programs at Temple and Baylor. And you have to ignore that NFL business because it's an entirely different construct. Nick Saban failed in the NFL, too, and look what happened. Aranda is down, and I think it's only because there are other people who have risen. But if you look at those those bottom three, all of those guys are great coaches, okay? They may not be having the classic seasons, but they're great coaches. And if Nebraska was able to get any one of them, I think you'd be happy. But Aranda's team has not played very well this year. Uh, They allowed 465 yards to K-State or 405 yards. But this is what worries me about Dave Aranda. For the third time this year, at least the third time this year, he said to the media, my team just wasn't ready to play. Really? Well, that's quite an admission, coach. For the third time this year, you've admitted, well, my team just wasn't ready to play. What does that mean? Is that, that that's, a, that's, a, that's a red flag to me because we've watched Nebraska not be ready to play in a lot of games lately. Campbell has lost, you know, lost four straight during the season. He's lost six of seven. But this is what worries me a little bit about Matt Campbell, and I think Iowa State fans would agree. He doesn't have a special teams coordinator, and their special teams haven't been great this year. Mostly it's been kickers missing field goals that could have gotten them wins. But he doesn't have a special teams coordinator. And we all know about the living nightmare, the fourth ring of hell we've been through on special teams for the last five years, although they're better this year. 
Dave Doran, I think, is an excellent coach. Um, they got beat by Boston College the other day. That was a bad loss. There was a very controversial pass interference flag in that one. But this is what worries me about Dave Doran. And this also wakes up a few echoes, Jeff and, and Shano. He retweeted this from a fan. Uh, to all the fans that left the game, you suck. Okay, remember when Pelini bagged on the fans after the Ohio State game? He never recovered from that. Yeah. Well, they came from behind to beat Virginia Tech earlier this season. They were down like 21-3 to in the fourth quarter. Fans said, I'm going to take off. So they all left. Uh, NC State came back and won. He didn't tweet this, but he retweeted it. He tweeted out something, thanks to the fans who stayed. But he retweeted, to all the fans that left early, you suck. Eh, probably not the kind of thing you want. And that can sometimes be the difference between getting a gig and not. Well, Nebraska fans multiply that by about 100 in terms of just the type of engagement you're going to get on message boards and social media on a situation like that. Yeah, good point, Sean. You're going to get a hell of a lot more interest from Nebraska football fans than you will ever get from NC State fans. And it's never a good sign. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. It's never a good sign if a head coach has that kind of, for lack of a better term, I know it's social media, but rabbit ears. You, yeah. you, can't, you cannot be worried about what a fan, a fan base. I mean, yes, you got to speak publicly and pay lip service to the fan base and do all those things and hopefully appreciate their passion. But you should never be interested in what a fan's opinion is about a damn thing. Exactly. It just it says that there's a lot of stress in this job. It says that you got to get the money when you can because you're not a 30, 35, 40 year guy anymore. The stress just kills you. Uh, and maybe that's happening to Dave. They had high expectations coming into this season, but I still think he's a really good coach. I really do. What he did at Northern Illinois was impressive. I think he's a good coach, and he's got ties to the Midwest, Kansas City guy. Uh, but I really believe that uh, Trev and Doug and Admiral Carter have their guy. I think they've identified this person. I think they know what they want. There, there are five people in the world who know who this person is. Trev Alberts, Doug Ewald, Admiral Carter, the guy's agent, and the guy. I don't even think the, anybody's wife knows who this person is, uh, as evidenced by the lack of leak that's come out of here. So um, it's and, done. In your mind, it's done already, Rosie. This is a fait accompli. This is, we're just waiting to find out. We already know. They know this has already been agreed to. Or it's on the one-yard line. Uh, it's very, very close, which allows them that if there's a disaster, somebody saying, oh, I've changed my mind, like what Mike Sherman did, when Steve Peterson hit him locked up, they've got a fallback because they have the time. But mm -hmm. we're talking the day after the Iowa game. I would be stunned if this announcement isn't made within 24 to 48 hours after the Iowa game. Yeah. Uh, and it's got, you've got to because of the transfer portal date. That's right. What do you think, Jim? Because there's been a lot of this thrown out um, just on timelines. What would be the positive in your eye of naming this coach before the Iowa game versus after because the narratives continue to change. I think there were a lot of people last night that thought, oh man, this could be moving this week. We could hear something. Uh, obviously that's not happened today and we, I, I'm not expecting anything this week, but what in your opinion would be the positive to get this higher out now versus after Iowa? 
I don't think there is one, Sean. I think it, it's detrimental to the team. It causes disruption. Uh, it's not fair to the guys because they don't know who their coach is. It, they, they think that Mickey and the staff is in place, and I know they're not naive. They understand that there's a strong possibility many of them won't be around. But let's say it's Matt Rule, okay, uh, which would be the only logical choice. You're not going to be naming a guy who's currently coaching for somebody unless it's the postseason, like and you cited the, the Polini scenario back in 2007. Uh, I don't think there's any positive to it because it's very disruptive. Uh, and if they announced it, let's say, six days before the Iowa game, uh, after this Sunday, for example, this Sunday after the Wisconsin game, let's say the Huskers won the game. I, they may, they may not. That's going to completely deflate the victory. It was a senior day victory if they get one. And that's not fair to the kids. And then the only discussion about Nebraska football leading up to the Iowa game is the new coach. Uh, and it marginalizes Mickey. It makes Mickey and the staff completely irrelevant. They've been neutered. The kids aren't going to buy anything they're, they're telling them because they don't know if they're going to be around. I just don't think that's in Trev's DNA. He's always put the kids first. He put the kids first with this firing of Scott Frost. It cost $7.5 million, but he said, look, if we wait until the 1st of October, we're going to blow any chance for getting to a bowl game. And he's right about that. So I really believe that he was putting the kids first. And sure, he'd love to make the announcement because then he has control over it again. And ADs, like presidents, love control. They don't have control. They are very, very nervous. And they're usually in bad moods. Uh, but in this case, I just feel he, he strongly, strongly advocates on behalf of the players. And there would be no value to this team at all to make that announcement ahead of time, unless it's Mickey Joseph. Uh, if it's Mickey Joseph, hell yeah, call it now, and then everybody's fired up. Do you think this will be a hire broken by a national news writer, national cultural ball guy? Or as a search firm and Trev, are you really hoping like we're going to break this thing and get it out before the Pete Dammels and the Bruce mm. Falcons of the world? Yeah. Typically, locally, it's really difficult um, to at least get the confirmation you need to report a story like this. I mean, you might be close on it, but to get the confirmation to truly yeah. take it over the goal line, if you had the inside track and you could also mess it up if you get it out too early. Well, I personally would be highly offended if they don't call me and tell me so that I can bring <laughs> the information. You know, I mean, I've known Trev Albert since he was 19 years old. And if I can't leverage that equity, I'm of no value whatsoever to anybody. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question because it's going to come. Uh, that's a great question, Sean, because it, it, it's going to likely come from one or two sources. Uh, it's going to come from somebody close to the guy who may leak it out there and then the guy will have to admit that it's true or everybody will get into the situation and then follow and track it. Um, obviously, in a perfect world, uh, Trev would like to make that announcement with him sitting right there. Uh, that'll be hard. But, you know, um, Steve Sipple, you know, the guys that, you know, the veteran people on this beat, Steve, uh, you, um, Dirk Chatelain, um, for lack of a better description, me, just because I'm old and I've been around a long time. Um, you know, we know our way around the room. I don't know that these guys are going to give uh, the younger reporters on the Nebraska beat that kind of information because they may not have confidence that they'll know how to use it. Uh, if Trev came to me and said, Jim, this is the guy, but you can't say anything until this date, um, he knows that I'm good for him. You know, that I, that I don't talk in my sleep and uh, it's going to be safe with me. Uh, you know, Coach Osborne, I knew about Coach Osborne's retirement two months before it happened. He asked me not to say anything. 
So, you know, you develop that kind of equity because you're trustworthy. And I'm sure that if if Trev gave you that information, Sean, uh, he would give it to you because he respects and admires the work you've done and he knows you'll keep it a secret. Jim, if Trev has hired the new coach already, will you wink twice with your right eye right up there? <laughs> or how about how about this? You know, take the side from third base, you know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Yes, I'll give you a sign, Jeff, if I yeah. get the information. Yeah, so next uh, week when we're talking, if you just want to do a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. I, you know, I, I I wouldn't ask him. This is, I, I wouldn't want to put, and we're, we have a, we're not close personal friends. We know each other. We respect each other. We've done things together. So there's that relationship with this guy, but I'm not like a close personal friend. Trev has other close personal friends that he socializes with. You know, uh, Trev and Angela don't socialize with the Jim Roses out in our house. Okay, but um, you know, I wouldn't infringe on that relationship by saying, "Hey, would you please give this to me so I can be a big shot for a day?" I, I, that's not in me. I, I don't really feel like I need to do that to sure. generate a following. But uh, I'd appreciate it <laughs> if he'd do it. Uh, but for me, I, it's I, I just think I just I'm not sure that it would do anything for me. And I it would it would ask a lot of our relationship if I said, hey, would Rosie, you is me? he do, do you think it's a sitting head coach? Somebody asked about that on the chat. Do you think it's a sitting head coach? You know, for a long time, I really felt like Bill O'Brien was a strong candidate for this. And I still believe that. Uh, so I'm going to chicken out on the question, Jeff, and say, I think it's very possible uh, but I've looked at I've looked at all of them. And, and again, I could be way off. Maybe they've never even interviewed Bill O'Brien. I don't know. But I know Trev and Bill have a relationship from the time they lived together in Atlanta. So that is something to consider. That's something to mix into the stew. But um, again, I he I just think he knows what he needs. He knows what this program needs. And I was frustrated a little bit by what Mickey said after the game. And I give him slack. Because when you're after a loss and you're frustrated about what happened and you're mad because your team didn't win, he's a very competitive guy. But, you know, I think it was Sam McEwen who said, what does it take to get this program up to Michigan's level? And he said, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Well, he's got 150 guys down in the locker room who he pretty much just said, you stink. All right. And Scott Frost made the same mistake in his opening news conference. He said, as soon as we get our players in here, we're going to be dangerous. Okay, now he goes down into the locker room and says, okay, what I just said, ignore that. That was just for the cameras. Come on. You can't say that. Recruiting is not it. It's not all of it. We, it's, it's just not. It's about getting them here and turning them into something. It's about a scheme and identity and recruiting to it. Aaron Taylor is one of the best offensive linemen Nebraska has ever had. He's in the top 10, of certainly of guards that Nebraska's ever had, right? This is a guy who was recruited by New Mexico State. That's it, because he was a perfect fit for our scheme. Nobody cared about Aaron Taylor out of high school except Milt Tenniper. And this is what I'm talking about. We've got to get away from this. This is what is killing our program. We have to stop worrying about signing day and start worrying about what we do with them after signing day. And who can argue that over the last five or ten years, Nebraska has failed miserably at developing players. You, know, you can probably count on one hand the number of guys who literally improved dramatically. Nate Geary, I think, was one of them. Uh, I think uh, Luke Gifford is one of them. Uh, there have been a couple, uh, but a lot of them haven't progressed to the point where I think um, 
Oh man, uh, there's a couple defensive backs, but really, when you think about it, what guys have we brought into this program from A to B, and they went from here to here? How many guys in the last 10 or 15 years have done that? And that's where we've lost. Which offensive linemen have truly, truly progressed from something to a lot? Uh, and I, I just think that's where we are. And I think that's important for this coaching staff coming in, that they have that record of being able to take guys and make them into players. Uh, you can make- we're not going to go anywhere without it. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And Jim, you could make, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Nebraska has, has struggled the last 20 years, but the internet era, which is the online recruiting era, which is my era, which I've built my whole career around since I started basically year one of the internet era, that has been the downfall because what it's done is it's taken the fan passion of interest in Nebraska football and zoned it in on every single roster transaction you make. It's put a microscope on like, and you mentioned that Aaron Taylor story. That's a great example. If if they took an Aaron Taylor guy today, it would just be crushed. Yeah. And you know, you're like, oh my God, you're turning down these guys with all these offers to take a guy that you think could fit with no offers. And mm-hmm. Iowa actually just took a kid from Norfolk Catholic. Yes. That that just had some FCS offers and they still do that, but their fans don't put that microscope on every roster transaction like say we do here. And that's because the passion, the interest, and that's why we all have jobs and what we're doing because of the great fans. But sometimes it can be a detriment because of the pressure it puts on the coaches to kind of win the fan base on every move you make. You're exactly right, Sean. And yes, you know, the internet's made you a very, very wealthy man. <laughs> but no, the, the truth is this. I remember listening to a national sports talk show in like 95. I'm driving back from a Husker baseball broadcast. And it was right after the summertime college football chat. And they're rattling off all of the schools that had the very best recruiting classes. And every year it was the same group. It was Florida State back in those days. It was Notre Dame. You know, it was Ohio State or Michigan or whoever it was. But then at the end of the conversation, this guy said, you know who had the best recruiting class? Nebraska. Nebraska had the best recruiting class. Because nobody thinks any of these players can do anything but them. And all they do is crank out guys that do exactly what they want them to do. And nobody knows who they are now. But in four years, there's a Russ Hoekstein in there who's going to play in the National Football League from a tiny little town in Nebraska because he's exactly what we needed for that scheme. And you look at a Brandon Riley. Brandon Riley is one of the better receivers we've had in the last 10 years. It was a walk-on. Okay, I mean, how's that possible? Now, if he were in Dallas or Los Angeles or Miami, he probably would have gotten 10 or 15 offers or Orlando. But he was a walk-on. He's one of the better receivers we've had here. I think Malcolm Hartzog and Ernest Hausman, just based on what I've seen this year, those two guys could turn out to be really good players. I think Ernest Hausman really made strides in this Michigan game. We haven't seen tackling like that out of a Nebraska linebacker in a long time. But look at him. I mean, he's got so much ability. He's smart. He's committed. But he was not as highly recruited as other linebackers in the country, maybe because he was from Columbus, Nebraska. I don't know. But I know one thing, that guy, he's going to be a player, I think. 
I think Malcolm Hartsart's going to be a player here. I love the way he just love the way he plays the game. So these are the things we need to do more of. And I really believe this next coaching staff, because I believe that Trev sees the structure of this program as a strong CEO style head coach with a tremendous staff of assistants, guys that are very well paid, very accomplished, very experienced, and have a an un just an an unmistakable track record of developing players. Uh, the head coach will oversee this program, but the assistant coaches will coach this program. That's what he wants because I think that's what a head coach in 2022 demands. Rosie, it was great as always. Want to thank you. I want to also suggest to the people who asked the questions earlier. I did. I did want to mention this. So the the board, the now very famous board that wow. we, we see every week, Rosie's coaching Rosie, derby board. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is the trend your friend, yeah. folks? These aren't the only guys no. that he's considered. Like some people were on there going, how come so-and-so? How? No, no, this board changes from week to mm-hmm. week. There are guys that are moving up, guys that are moving down, but it doesn't include all the guys. Rosie's got no. other guys on this board that he's considered as well. Yeah, and I need to copyright that because that's going to get hijacked and used for show prep across college football now <laughs> for the next week. So I got to get my lawyers. And my, many people say I have too many lawyer friends, but mostly out of need. <laughs> but really, this is uh, this is exactly right. Jeff. This is just a snapshot for our discussion this week. Uh, and the next coach may be Gary Patterson or it may be none of these guys. Maybe it's Matt Campbell. I doubt it, but it might be. Uh, it may be Zach Taylor. Um Man, I would love it if Zach Taylor became the head coach of Nebraska football. I think he's a great football coach, but an even better person. And look at the experience he has. I just love players that were overachievers. I think they make the best coaches. If you think about the greatest coaches of our generation and the generation before, they were overachieving players. Tom Osborne, Barry Switzer, Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski. These are Dave Van Horn. John Cook, you know, these guys, these people were overachievers as athletes. So they learned the game. They learned the psychology of the athlete. They learned organizational skills. That's how they made up for any athletic deficiencies. This guy was a really good quarterback. He was not a great quarterback. Zach was a smart, tough, good West Coast offense quarterback. But he was not a great quarterback. He was not He was not the talented guy that had a rocket for an arm. But he made up for it with smarts and guts and toughness. And, boy, that's what makes a great coach. Rosie, have a great night. Sean, before we sign off, anything to tell the fine folks out there for Husker Online this week that you guys are going to be covering? Well, yeah, obviously, uh, news conference Tuesday with Mickey Joseph, so we'll get a good read on this quarterback situation. Um, And then, you know, Mark Whipple will talk Wednesday. Um, We didn't even hit on that, but his health situation, uh, what happened on that hit, um, they wheeled him up into into the press box, uh, for the third quarter, and Steve Cooper, the analyst, called the first three plays before Mark Whipple took back over. So what is the status of Nebraska's offensive coordinator, their starting quarterback, Casey Thompson, his backup, Chubba Purdy, who is probably out for the year with a high ankle sprain? Um, there's a lot um, on top of the coaching search, and uh, no better time, and you can tell them all about it, Jeff, uh, $25 for a year to join Husker Online. Yeah, $25 is all, and in the coming days, obviously, as this season winds down, you have 
the aforementioned signing day that it will be covered. And then, of course, obviously the next head coach, most importantly, uh, that will be tasked with the responsibility of getting Nebraska back. And we will end that wild speculation at some point here in the next couple of weeks. So that's exciting as well. Just $25 for the whole year. You get the best in the business there at Husker Online. Our thanks to Trey, as always, for producing the show. Rosie, you have a great night, buddy. It's good to talk to you. Good to see you again. All right, fellas. You do the same, buddy. And um, yeah, to everybody out there, thanks so much for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. You guys take care and have a great rest of the week. Be well, everybody.